Hello and welcome to this brand new edition of the Lakerside Chats. Uh, it was a very eventful night last night. Let me introduce you to my guest first. He is senior writer of Lakers Nation. He's been on, I think this is his third time now. We're lucky to have him on. Great guest to the show. Trevor Lane, welcome, sir. How are you doing today? Uh, doing doing well. Thanks so much for having me again, Alan. No, it's a pleasure. Whenever you come on, it's always a pleasure. You, you know, I, I really enjoy whenever you're on the, the conversations we have. Before we get onto the topic of today's show, obviously, we're recording this the day after the Laker game against Portland. I feel like it would be wrong if we didn't go into that even a little bit. What do you make of the whole tribute, the game, any lasting impressions of what happened? The floor's yours. Oh, I thought it was just, it was spectacular what the Lakers did uh, just to, to honor Kobe and Gigi Bryan and uh, as well as the, the seven other people who perished on that helicopter crash. That was uh, that was just a, a tremendous, tremendous event that they put on. Um, I, I couldn't believe how, not only how, how much they put together in such a short amount of time while they're all grieving. I mean, this is a time, you know, the whole organization is, is in grieving, a grieving period uh, over losing Kobe Bryant. So to be able to put that off, pull that off with um, the success that they did is incredibly impressive. Not to mention that they, you look all throughout the event and they just made some smart choices in how they ran it. I mean, letting Kobe essentially narrate the bulk of it, him tell his own story. I thought was so brilliantly done and then all the camera angles and everything I mean from a production standpoint uh just uh, top to bottom that was that was amazing and, and top level stuff and certainly uh befitting of of a guy like Kobe you know I thought there was only one way that he could have made it it was a cherry on the icing of the cake if they had the black mamba jerseys last night I feel like yes. it would have been the most perfect touch. I don't know what you think, but I, I guess by your reaction, you're in complete agreement. Yeah, I'd like to see those come back as well. Those were those were great. I, those uh, I think those have been the best of the city edition jerseys so far. I'd, I'd love to see those brought back. Do you, do you think we will? I I feel like we will, especially after the All Star break. I feel like not just for sentimental reasons. I feel like everyone wants them back. And like you said, I feel like they'll buy, I feel that by far one of the best jerseys Nike's made for us as well. Yeah. So I feel like it will be an amazing thing to get them back. And the biggest thing for me from that game is um, just, I wouldn't have been able to play in that environment. We're talking about it a little bit before we started recording. I'm, I don't know about you. I, I don't think you would have been able to play in that environment either after that beautiful, beautiful moving ceremony and just you know credit to the players for still battling as hard as they did in the difficult circumstances you know it, it takes a strong character to be able to play like that even though we lost it you know it's, I don't think the result's important we've built up enough of a lead now whereby we can lose a game like that and you know what no one should be begrudging us that anyway no yeah look it's um I've been seeing a lot of comments and stuff from people that have been saying, you know, oh, there's, you know, there's no excuses. They should have won. Kobe would have won. Mamba mentality, all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I mean, look, you can take the the no excuses, get the job done approach, and that's that's fine. And in most situations, yeah, you can argue that you have to still find a way to push through and, and win. But sometimes there's situations where it's impossible to do that. Like, I mean, even look at Kobe. He tears his Achilles. It's impossible for him, him to continue playing. It's not reasonable to say, oh, he should have figured out a way just to stay out there on the floor with a torn Achilles. You can't do that. Um, emotionally, you experience the same type of things. There's, there's things that you can't overcome. 
And there's things that you can't, that it's just not not possible. So when you look at the game the Lakers played last night, it's it's not surprising that it was sloppy. It's not surprising that they made mistakes. They hadn't played for a week, and they were literally crying as they're doing the introductions. Um, of course, their focus is going to be off a little bit. Of course, they're going to have those kinds of, of issues. And then, you know, to have Damian Lillard have a night like he did and Hassan Whiteside randomly blow up for, for 30 points, you know, part of that is the Lakers' lack of attention to detail, which is to be expected. And part of it is just bad timing. I mean, they happened to, to go off on, on that given night. And this was a night when the Lakers couldn't really couldn't really match that. So I don't fault them for losing that game at all. I, you know, I will, I, hopefully they can uh, pick up a win next up against the Kings. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think you can blame them at this point, given what they're going through. No, I agree. And I feel like while it was a beautiful moment... Um, and it should never be forgotten, the, the tribute, because I feel like the, the people that they got, like just getting Usher and stuff, you know, and Boys to Men, and then Charlie Poof and Wiz Khalifa, like you said, on such short notice. These people are very busy people. A, it just goes back to what we've been saying, you've been saying on your podcast, I've been saying, just the magnitude of the guy that we're talking about. You know, it, it's crazy how many people he touched from not just the basketball world, but the entire world and you know we're two guys i'm from england you're from california and we're talking about kobe bryant it's crazy it's crazy the influence he had on all of us mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely worldwide influence for sure without further ado let's get into today's major topic we thought you know with all the unhappy moments that we've had the past week and the grieving we've gone through after me and trevor thought um the, the most necessary part. So also remember the good parts of the grieving process as well. So this will be me and Trevor reminiscing on Kobe and giving you guys our top 10 Kobe moments throughout his career. It won't be anything major. It won't be something that we'll be fighting about. You know, it's just the top 10 moments that we categorize with Kobe Bryant. So without further ado, what's number 10 on your list, Trevor? Uh, number 10 on my list is actually one that probably wouldn't be on most lists uh, because it wasn't it's not a highlight it's actually a low light and that's uh, that's Kobe's air balls against the Utah Jazz <laughs> as, a, as a rookie um, I think you know at the time it was it was frustrating seeing him you know airball one shot after another those threes that he took but it was so so important looking back now after a 20-year career that he not only took those shots, but that he was willing to take those shots and willing to keep firing. And it didn't break him. It didn't crush him that he missed those big shots on such a big stage. He failed and he didn't let that stop them. He just let that, that drive him further. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say airballing those threes against the jazz in the playoffs. And now uh, would that have been 96? Um, that's, that's going to be on my list. You know, what's funny right now? Why I laughed. Huh. That's my top ten. That's my tenth moment as well. <laughs> All right, we're on the we're on the same wavelength then, Alan. It's the birth of the Mamba mentality. That's, That's why right. it's in the top ten. I honestly think that was the game that propelled Kobe to. I think he would have been great anyway. I feel like that fast tracked the process. I feel like he was so determined for that not to happen ever again. He just went and worked and worked and worked and make sure made made sure that it never happened again. Would he miss game winning shots again? Of course he would. Every player does. You know, no player's ever going to be 100%. But I feel like he got as good as anyone. Uh, maybe arguably better than anyone at game winning shots in his career. So I agree with you. Let's be, seeing as we're in agreement number 10, let's see number nine. What have you got there? 
Uh, for number nine, gosh, you know, Kobe is, he's the kind of guy that has played in, in so many, so many big games and he's had so many major moments, but I'm going to go with, uh, his first game with Pau Gasol. So Pau got traded to the Lakers and it was, uh, it was in, uh, in February and, uh, I should have looked up the year before we, before we did this, but, uh. It would have been, what was that, when Powell was brought in? That would have been 2008. 2008. So 2008, Powell gets traded to the Lakers, and it was Powell's first game because there were all these questions. All these questions about, okay, the Lakers got Powell. You know, clearly that's an upgrade. They traded Kwame Brown and Jabaris Crittenden, if you guys if you remember him. Um, they back. traded uh, the Mark Gasol, Powell Gasol's brother. And the thought was the Lakers got this this major steal and Greg Popovich was angry and, and all this was happening. And then there were questions like, what's it really going to look like on the floor? Are they going to fit? We know they're both uh, both smart players. And then lo and behold, Powell was a perfect fit from the get-go. There was no question. Kobe and Powell were, were right there in sync from the moment they stepped on the floor together. And that was that was the moment when you knew, okay, this partnership, this is going to be truly special. Oh. When when I remember that game, the moment uh, people think, you know, I, I hyperbolize a lot when I say, sometimes people are just destined to like come into each other's lives and come into each other's paths and, you know, collaborate on something. And I feel like it was destined for Kobe and Powell to play together. I feel like they complemented each other so well. They basically, like you said, from game one, they knew exactly where the other one was on the court. They had such a great court, court awareness for the other as well. And Kobe was amazing. In my opinion, he was the best player in the world for that three, four-year stretch. Um, I think that without Powell, I'd be very hard-pressed to see that Kobe wins another championship. And that's not saying nothing about the greatness of the Kobe Bryant, but that's just also like, while it is an appreciation of Kobe, I also feel like Powell goes very underappreciated with a lot of people as well. Yeah, for sure. Look, Powell, uh, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I would love to see eventually his jersey get uh, get retired by the Lakers. You think about, you know, there have been some big moments where Kobe would miss a game winner and Powell would be right there to follow it up uh, and finish. He made some huge, huge plays for the Lakers. In fact, he was he was in, in uh, 2010 against the Celtics. He was probably the best player for the Lakers that night. He was absolutely tremendous and powered them and kept them going. There were games where Kobe would be missing shots and Powell was right there to uh, to lead the team. So that partnership with Kobe and Powell was, was truly something special. And going to Powell, I feel like he's the guy who ushered in this new generation of big guys who can all dribble and shoot and work hard and... You know, Powell's a really underrated off-ball defender as well. I thought he was really good. Maybe not a good shot blocker, but off-ball defensively. He always knew where to be on help as well. You know, I'm really thankful we got to see Kobe and Powell in LA. Yes, yeah, for sure. Getting that pairing. um, Look, I mean, hey, second. In terms of of Kobe, that's second only to the Shaq and Kobe pairing. I don't think there's anybody else that, uh, that he combined with quite in the same way. We're very lucky in LA. We always get these great pairings, you know. Right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But what's your... So mine is... It's not... The game was, you know, obviously Kobe has his moments where, you know, 37 points in a game six Western Conference Finals isn't, you know, it's great, but Kobe's done that. It was a book tap on Alvin Gentry in 2010 that, you know, that... <laughs> It just propelled it over the edge for me to put it in the top 10. Just for me, 
the audacity you have in that moment when you hit that shot just goes to the opposing coach. Well, you tried. <laughs> you couldn't stop me, but you tried. Good job. <laughs> That was Kobe in a nutshell, right? I mean, supreme confidence. He wasn't gonna be, uh, he wasn't gonna be denied, and he knew when he was having a, when he had it going, and he knew when nobody was gonna stop him. So yeah, that's a that's a great one. No, oh, and it's it's such a perfect Kobe moment as well. Like just the self confidence that he had in himself against any def- defense in the NBA. It was just, I feel like it's just such just such a perfect moment to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh. It's just, it's a, a quintessential Kobe moment for sure. What's number eight for you? Um, I'm going to go with actually Kobe, not in a Lakers Jersey, Kobe in the Olympics, um, Kobe in the, the 2008 Olympics, when he took it upon himself to be a defensive stopper, he decided that he just, he just decided that was the role that the team, you know, like LeBron James was on the team, Carmelo Anthony, right. And Kobe said, okay, we've got all these guys who can score. I'm going to show everybody how good of a defender I am. And I'm going to set myself up to be the team's defensive stopper. And he was. He was an absolute terror on the defensive end. And then in the fourth quarter in the gold medal game against Spain, the team was struggling. They were struggling to score. And Kobe just went, nope, I got it. And he turned on the scoring mode. And he just and he went berserk. And Spain couldn't do anything to stop him. And they win a gold medal. And then, and then... He hangs the gold medal in Pau Gasol's locker during training camp. The, the gold medal that he won over Spain, um, just to kind of rub it in and give Pau the extra motivation. I, that was that was an, an amazing time. Kobe, that was my number seven moment um, because Kobe, in my opinion, we had the dream team and then the dream team part two and then sort of the U.S. dominance on world basketball at FIBA level and your Olympic level it lasted till about two thousand and then. Once you got into 2002, 2003, 2004, we all remember the debacle that happened in Athens. And then Kobe was the guy who brought Team USA back to a level where, like, all the best players started to play because Kobe Bryant's playing. If Kobe's playing, it's not beneath anyone else. Right. And he's the reason now we still have, you know, the James Hardens, the Steph Currys. I still think, I don't know about you, but I feel, I think LeBron James is playing this summer in the Olympics. Um, Without Kobe, I don't think LeBron James is even contemplating playing in his year 35 after his 17th year in the NBA, hopefully after a title win, you know. Right. I feel like Kobe was the guy who brought this national pride. I feel like when I say national pride, I don't mean like the players were never prideful, but prideful enough that they'd go and spend their offseason playing for Team USA. Yeah, that's true. And it, I mean, you mentioned LeBron playing. I'm already getting nervous if LeBron is playing over over the summer because the Lakers need him need him healthy. But uh, but you're right. It, he did kind of set that or, or reinstall that precedent anyway. That um, that you know the top guys can go and play and make a difference, and it's uh, and it's meaningful. Oh, and and you know what? When you get to these Olympics, in my opinion, the basketball. I love the athletics part. But the basketball always stands out to me. I, I don't know if it's because we love the game, but I always feel like the basketball played at the Olympics is just, it's just so special and it's so iconic. And, you know, and having Kobe be that guy in 2008 and to a lesser extent in 2012, he took a bit more of a backseat. But still, when he needed to step up, he always stepped up for Team USA. Yeah, he, uh, he was a guy that wasn't going to back down for a challenge. Uh, that's for sure. You no. Know, 
Well, my number eight moment is not not one that many people would think about, uh-huh. but up until recently, it was the NBA record for most frees in a game. His 12th frees versus Seattle. If I remember correctly, it was Seattle, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so. That's off the top of my head, though. I'll have to look it up here. Um, yeah, that was the game where I just, A, you know, that was, I can't, it's just one of those games where you're just sort of in disbelief. Like, I remember watching it back in a full game, and you're still like, it's just a quintessential Kobe moment when he gets hot. You can't stop him. <laughs> That's all it is, you know what I mean? It's it's so cliched and it's so lazy to say, but that's just honestly the God's truth sometimes. He just sometimes got so hot that you just there like, it's not much we can do tonight, guys. It's just not our day. Yeah, and you're and you're right, it was against the the Seattle Sonics. Um uh, look, he when he got going, it didn't matter what kind of defense you put on him. It didn't matter who was defending him, he was going to score because he was so good at angles, so good at getting to his spots, and then so strong. Um, I think that's part of his game that gets underlooked is how strong he was getting the ball to the basket on his shots. That uh, you rarely saw misses because he was fatigued until later in his career. So uh, yeah, absolutely great moment. 12, 12 threes in a game was I mean just ridiculous, especially especially given that era, right? Like today, teams are shooting threes like crazy, right? They're they're shooting threes nonstop. Back then, that was I mean that was extraordinary for one player to even take twelve threes, not to mention hit twelve of them. Exactly. So I I just feel like any, I know it's been broken and, you know, just having that moment of like, yeah, this guy, it's just, you can't deal with him when he's on fire. And, you know, there's like who, the only person that, that could match, like, in my opinion, his type of hot streak from like anywhere close is Steph Curry. Like, mm-hmm. He's the only person in the modern NBA who can get that hot, and that's why he broke the record, didn't he? You know, and it's, in my opinion, just it's so hard narrowing. I don't know if how you found it, but it was so hard narrowing it down to just ten. <laughs> oh yeah, crazy. absolutely. There's so many. I mean, over twenty years, there's so many Kobe moments. Right, there's there's, t- there's a top ten moment for every year. <laughs> easily, easily. What's your number seven? Uh, we talked. We touched on my number seven when you said your number eight. Uh, so the mine would be um, Kobe in two thousand nine. The All Star Game MVP was Shaq, the dual MVP award. I think that was, and I'm looking at stuff that that's meaningful from a, a human side too, and not just um, you know basketball court accomplishments. But uh, winning that dual MVP, I think it was so. I mean, obviously it was put together, right? Like, like the odds of getting a true tie like that, uh, pretty slim. But given what they had gone through and the big breakup and how much animosity there was in L.A. for Shaquille O'Neal, right? I mean, before people hated Dwight Howard, they hated Shaq in Los Angeles for him leaving and going to the Miami Heat, uh, the trade, feeling like Shaq forced his way out, the Kobe versus Shaq feud, all of that stuff. That was a huge thing. Um, and that, that's why, you know, the crowd went crazy when Andrew Bynum as a rookie dunked on Shaq right after Shaq dunked on him. And that was a great moment. Um, uh, but that all that 2009 all-star game when Kobe and Shaq were co MVPs, it was like the ice was starting to thaw a little bit and it was just a cool moment to see the guys who had drifted apart, who were so devastating playing together, get to win that award, uh, together again. And 
especially what after after the fact you hear the stories that he gifted it to Sharif, and mm-hmm. I feel like without that co MVP, I don't feel like you get the reconciliation like we did of Kobe and Shaq. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you have seen it. The uh, the players only interview with Kobe and Shaq, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm so thankful. You know, like like. We we both are probably in agreement that we're still in denial about the whole thing, and you know I still can't believe quite believe that Kobe's gone, but I'm so thankful that you know they let bygones be bygones, and to a lesser extent he did that same with Dwight as well, didn't he? You know, and I'm I'm so glad he got to reconciliate with Shaq because, like you said, there's such a big part of LA history that if they didn't, and then he passed away like he did. God knows what Shaq would have felt like as well. And just look, like you said, from the emotional aspect, it was such a beautiful moment. And, you know, the NBA is all about moments. You know, we love the seasons, we love the games, but we remember the moments. And I feel like that's such a beautiful moment as well that you mentioned. And it's very fitting as well. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, definitely one that I'll, uh, I'll always remember. Number six. Number six. Um, so to go from a, a, a such a nice moment <laughs> to one that's uh, got a little bit more venom behind it, uh, dunking on Dwight Howard is what I'm going to go with for <laughs> for number six. When he he dunked on on Dwight, I mean he he just about jumped over him, like dunked all over Dwight. This was a very young Dwight, I believe it was rookie Dwight uh, with the Orlando Magic. And I mean, we know that that Kobe and Dwight didn't get along all that well when Dwight was a, a Laker. Uh, but it, man, it must have Kobe must have been when they weren't getting along. He must have felt good going back and looking at this moment because that that was one of the most ridiculous dunks I've ever seen. Uh, he, yeah, he he gave dunk gave Dwight a a welcome to the NBA dunk for sure. And it's just one of those where people. Because towards the end of his career, especially the last couple of years, you know, with the injuries that he inflicted, people have forgotten quite how athletic Kobe was, especially mm-hmm. towards like the first 10 years of his career. He was just as athletic as anyone there is in the NBA now, you know, barring Zion Williamson and all those other freaks, you know. Um, but just, yeah, perfect <laughs> christening by fire for Dwight Howard. My number six is I'm sure you remember this quite fondly the finals against the Pacers Shaq fouls out Shaq was Shaq tells a story where he's really worried and then Kobe just looks over at him like I got this don't worry we're gonna lead I'm gonna lead this to this game and he did to his credit and he won the Lakers the game you know and it might not be his highest point contribution but I feel like that's the time where you start to see, okay, this is a guy that you can rely on in the big time. You know, it's he's a guy that could be a number one option even without Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, agreed. Agreed 100%. That was, and by the way, that's my actually my number five. So, uh, but yeah, Kobe uh, stepping up in overtime against the Pacers, to me, it was his equivalent of Magic Johnson in 1980 as a rookie stepping up for an injured Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, it wasn't for an entire game, but this is a 21-year-old who steps up in the NBA Finals, all pressure on him, 
and he didn't even flinch, not for a second. He knew exactly what he's going to do. He buried a couple long twos. Uh, then he went and had the the tip in to to put the Lakers up three, and then Reggie Miller missed a, a three to tie. Uh, incredible stuff. Yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite moments, and for me, it ended up at number five. Um, you know, wherever you put any of these moments, you can't really argue with it, though, can you? Right. It's just, you know, it's all perfect. In my opinion, it's all fantastic, and... You know, I'm really happy that we can. It, I'm still raw, and like I said, I'm still, I'm still in a bit of disbelief. But I'm so happy we can actually talk about these moments and, you know, reminisce about the good times of Kobe being Bryant. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, part of part of the grieving process is celebrating these good times. So it's important that we do this. Oh, absolutely. And what I do hope is because we got to the halfway point. So I do hope if people are listening to this and it'll help them with their grieving process as well because, you know, it touched a lot of people and I'm sure you've had it the same where a lot of people have reached out to you to have a chat and, you know, we are all affected by this and, you know, it's all right to not be good about it because, you know, we're all humans and if you... But you can't just be negative, you've got to focus on the positives as well. Yeah, 100% agree. So that was your number five. Mm-hmm. I'll go into my number five. I'll just say two words and you'll know which play it is straight away. <laughs> this is going to be my number four. <laughs> the love. The love, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, okay. it it's just iconic, isn't it? <laughs> Western Conference Finals against Portland, down by four. Crosses Scotty Pippen out of his shoes. And, you know, people are so synonymous with Kobe not passing. How ironic is it that one of his greatest plays of all time is a perfect lob to Dwight Howard? Uh, to Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> to Dwight Howard, <laughs> yeah. I'm um, still thinking about him dunking on, on Dwight. That's right. Uh, I think Dwight's still probably still thinking about that too. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, look, that, that play, the lob, that was... It wasn't just the one play. It was that that was the culmination of that insane comeback. They're down oh. 15, like 10 minutes and change to play in the fourth. And the Lakers come roaring back. Brian Shaw's hitting threes. A few other guys making plays. And ultimately, they, they just chip away, chip away, chip away. And the Blazers start to implode. You see them start to tighten up. And then next thing you know, it's less than a minute left. Lakers are up four. If Portland can get a stop, maybe they can get back in this thing. And then, nope, there's Kobe. Gets into the paint. Brian Grant has to make a decision. Because I'll never forget this. Brian Grant basically has to decide do I leave Shaq and go to Kobe and try to force a pass or do I let Kobe maybe get to the rim, if not get a little runner right at, uh, uh, right at the paint. And he ultimately steps over to Kobe and Kobe still could have pulled the trigger and shot. But like you said, even though he's known for shooting, he made the absolute right play at that moment, throws the lob, Shaq slams it down, goes running, pointing to the, the crowd in the Staples center. It was just elation because that was the moment when everybody knew that's it. The comeback's complete. They're going to the NBA Finals. I mean, it was just unforgettable, incredible moment. Even though it was still a, it was still down by, I think, yeah. No, that put us up by four, didn't it? Uh, I want to say they were up four, and that put them up by six. But I have either to way, back. it was either, either it either made it a two possession game, mm-hmm. or it cemented the lead even further. Where you're like, yeah, it's over now. We've won this game, and. You know what? It's such a perfect symbiotic relationship by Kobe and Shaq because I honestly believe neither of them could have thrived without each other. 
And that, if you ever want an example of that, I feel like that's the perfect moment there. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. They uh, they thrive playing next to each other, and you know we're only going to be left to wonder what could have been had they they stayed together for a few more years. It's a shame. It's a shame. But you know, I'm also glad that you know we talked about it. But I'm glad they've reconciled, and I'm glad they had success without each other as well, because that cemented their greatness on on some part as well. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So this was your number four. Mm-hmm. My number four. People might say it's a bit too low, but the eighty-one point game. You know, people forget a how bad Toronto was, um, and b how badly we played in the first half of that game. We were awful, and it didn't feel like. I don't know about you, but that first half, it did not feel like Kobe was going to go for anywhere close to eighty-one. Right. So, um, so shocker here, but this is, this is actually my, my number three, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, um, you're right. So the Lakers were down at halftime. Kobe had 26 and a half and it didn't feel like, I mean, it was just a few weeks before that, that he scored, uh, what 62, I believe it was in three quarters against the Mavs. He single-handedly yeah. outscored the Mavericks. So he could have easily gone for 81 that night and he just went, oh, I'll get it another time. And uh, this ended up being the time. And it wasn't just like, oh, Kobe's going for the record and to hell with team chemistry and everything else. And this is just about him scoring. No, they they actually needed him to score in order to win the game. One of those points. Yeah, they they needed all of those. And once he got going, yes, they started feeding him more once they realized, you know, how many points he was putting up. But still, it was one of, if not the most incredible scoring displays we've ever seen in the NBA. I mean, to put up. 81 points in a game is ridiculous, is unheard of. I couldn't believe it when it happened. I still can't believe it now. Uh, the Raptors, thank you for not doubling him. <laughs> I don't know why they they <laughs> never did. They still don't know why they didn't do it. But uh, but Kobe goes for 81. And you got to remember, uh, I tweeted about this the other day. The Lakers starting lineup for that game and for that season. It was Smush Parker, Kobe, Lamar Odom, Kwame Brown, and Chris Mim. So again, it's not like Kobe was, was stealing shots from anybody. Like he's, he's got to score in that lineup. So, you know, people, people uh, will, uh, the Kobe haters will say, Oh, but how many assists did he have? And and sure he scored 81 points, but, but he didn't, he wouldn't pass the ball and blah, 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 blah. Nobody else was going to score. You're not going to throw the ball to Kwame Brown and say, Hey, go get me 20 points and lead me back against the Toronto Raptors. No, that uh, he needed to do that. And so it was, uh, I mean, it was a great performance and then made even better by the fact that it led to a win. Oh, yeah. And you know what? That I I know Wilt scored 100, and that's amazing. And just having three figures in one game from one player is ridiculous. I'm more impressed by this 81. Just from the fact that, you know, we didn't watch that 100-point game. Um, people always go on about the standard level back then not being as great as it is now. And, you know, as, as a center... Don't get me wrong, I'm not underestimating the greatness of Will. If you're playing against a guy who's seven to eight inches smaller than you consistently and, you know, it's a bit easier to score. However, with Kobe, especially in the era that we were playing in, this is the hand-check era. This is, in my opinion, this is probably the worst era for guards to play in. It was probably the most inefficient era of the NBA as well. To put up 81 points is just crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And talking about eras, I mean, look, people will say, 
Kobe who's a, a dinosaur. You look at his playing style. Nobody does that anymore. Taking long twos. It's all threes and layups and, and blah, 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 blah. And Kobe was just a gunner inefficient and, and all this stuff. Are you kidding? Like if you had, if we had back then when Kobe started playing the analytics that we have today, and the rules that we have today and this playing style, if you think for a second that Kobe couldn't adapt his game to this and be an incredible player, be a guy who can pass off the bat. He was an amazing passer. People don't give him enough credit Ridiculous. for that. Okay. Um, it, to think that Kobe couldn't be just an insane, like he's the type of guy that legit could average, if not a triple double, pretty darn close playing like a point forward role right now. Um, so yeah, look, talk, talking about era and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't care what era he was in. Kobe was incredible, and 81 points is 81 points, no matter no matter how he got there. Um, I was talking to a guy just to go on about this new era of basketball, who knows the thinking of Mike D'Antoni pretty well. That's all I'll say. And he said, um, "What Mike D'Antoni thinks is if you put Kobe Bryant into in his prime where he was at that point into today's NBA." He'd average 40 and 10 without even really thinking about it because the shots that he'd get in today's NBA would be so much easier for him to make than the shots that he was making previously. Yeah. Yep. With the rules that we have now, I'd, I I wouldn't doubt it. And the amount of free throws he'd get as well is crazy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that was your number three. Mm-hmm. My number three, I don't think many people will put this so high, but his 48 and 8 against Orlando in the 2009 finals. I feel like that was the... Everyone knew LeBron was there or thereabouts at that point as well for the greatest player of the world. Kobe, you know, had a lot to prove because last time the Lakers were in the finals, we all remember what happened in the 2008 finals to the Celtics in Game 7. We don't have to go there. This is a happy podcast. We We don't need to bring our moods down right now, you know. And for that to happen in the 2009 finals, just the entire finals in general, I didn't feel like we were ever in any doubt of winning, especially after that game two where it goes to overtime. I don't feel like that that, that finals was ever in doubt. Yeah, I mean, look, it wasn't... Uh, there were some moments. I mean, Courtney Lee had a, a layup at the buzzer that oh. would have won uh, one of those games for the Orlando Magic, and, uh, and he missed it. <laughs> so... Uh, there were some fortunate moments and everything. Derek Fisher hit hit a big shot there, the big three over Jameer Nelson. But, uh, but yeah, look, that was that was a great performance for Kobe. And anytime you have a performance like that coming in the NBA Finals, it's certainly certainly one that you've got to take notice of. You know, like like I said, not, maybe not many people would have it so high, but. Like I said, the last time we saw him in an NBA Finals, you know, the scene, we all remember the scene of them just sitting on the bench watching the Celtics blow us out in Game 7. It wasn't a nice thing. So, not that I ever doubted Kobe, but to see that from him, it's just iconic for me, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So, that was so that was your, what, uh, three, you said? Third, yeah. Third one, okay. So, then I'd be moving on to my, uh, my second one here. And my yes. second... My number two here is uh, the championship over Boston in, yes. uh, in 2010. I mean, that like we talk about how much championships mean. Obviously, they're incredibly important. But out of Kobe's five championships, this is the last one. And I think this was the most important because of who it was against um, to get that 16th championship and get it against the Boston Celtics. And Kobe didn't have a great game in game seven. 
Uh, he he shot what six to twenty four from the field. Yeah. He. He was, uh, he, and he was frustrated, but he chipped in with 15 rebounds. He found other ways to help the team, even though the shot wasn't falling. Um, I'll never forget the play where uh, he got an offensive rebound, a kind of ping pong round came to him, and Rasheed Wallace was standing in the restricted area. So, and he had his, he already had five fouls, and so Kobe just hurled himself into Rasheed and picked up the foul, got him out of the game. It was just such a smart play that he made in a in a split second. He recognized the situation and took advantage. And uh, and ultimately, the Lakers are able to pick up the win, and that's that's what matters. They walk away with the championship. Kobe helped lead the team to that um, incredible moment, one that I'll never forget. One of my favorite all-time moments, and certainly that we end up with that iconic photo of Kobe standing on the announcers table celebrating with with Los Angeles. Um, absolutely incredible. That was my number two as well. You know, that was if that that series was ever the the ultimate series of. It doesn't matter how you do it. it. Doesn't matter how what it looks like. At the end of the day, the most important thing is that you got the W. You got the win. You you got the title against the Celtics. And you know, like like you said, I feel like it was his most important title as well. You know, and I'm so glad it was the Celtics. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, no no disrespect to any Celtics fans out there. You know, I know a few good people, but you know, the rivalry is a rivalry and there's nothing sweeter than beating those guys in green from Boston. Yeah, I always love it when uh, when you get a win over the Celtics. That's always a good day when you can be when you can beat the Celtics. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Number one, what is it? What's your top Kobe moment of all time? I mean, we we know at this point, right? Number one, um, it's his final game, that final performance against uh, against the Utah Jazz. Um, Sixty points, obviously, that's that's huge. The the show that he put on, the fact that uh, the fact that he was able to do that at thirty seven years old to to come out there and put on the performance that he did was amazing in and of itself, right? And that's that's probably the greatest goodbye performance we will ever see. I don't know that anybody ever is ever going to match a 60-point farewell. Um, but to me, it was more than just that. It was more than what we just saw on the floor. It was what, what was represented by that performance. Um, all throughout his career, Kobe has been this guy that has been driven to get every ounce of basketball talent out of his body. He's wanted to be the very best basketball player he could possibly be. He was obsessed with it. He had this single-mindedness about him uh, regarding that. And he's been really successful. And he's not a guy that he wasn't a guy that had to walk off the court saying, man, you know, like Shaq, hey, if I had just practiced those free throws a little more, how, where would I sit in NBA history? Right? Like it, it Shaq, he did his thing, but at some point you, you have to wonder, did he ever question, like, should I have trained more? Uh, Kobe, you did, there was no question. He trained as much as he possibly could. And so for him to be able to walk off the floor like that, Knowing that he gave everything that he had, um, it created this just incredible moment. And as I was watching, as that game is is unfolding, I was thinking, my gosh, we've never seen a player do what he's doing right now. And that's empty the tank. He burned through every last bit of basketball that he had left in him that night. You could see it. You could see it on his face. You could see it the way he was playing the game. That was it. He gave the fans in Los Angeles everything he had for 20 years, and then he gave them the last little bit in that final performance. Um, and it still, it gives me goosebumps to think about today because that was 
that was such an incredible moment and one that at least once a month I go back and rewatch that game because it was so amazing. No, I'm I'm probably the same with you as well. Uh, I I watched that. I watched it three times this week and an honorable mention for one of my top 10 Kobe moments. And I was very umming and ahhing because I feel like this is, you know, I'm agreement with you and I feel like you put it perfectly. So I don't need to talk about that, 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 that game anymore. But I don't know what you think about this one. However, his entire 2012-13 season, if there was ever a guy who willed the team into being in the playoffs... That was Kobe, mm-hmm. and that will be the season that will most stick out for me from his latter years, not including the championships, obviously, because when you said he gave everything to the game, that was the time where his body finally just gave out on him. Yeah, look, that's that's a moment that um, probably we should have, maybe should have included, but um, him shooting those free throws with his Achilles torn, like that's that was pretty incredible Crazy. too. And then the story that came out this week um, from Gary Vitti uh, that he uh, the the reason why he didn't want a wheelchair to take him back that he wanted to walk off under under his own power was because of Paul Pierce and because Paul Pierce got the, got wheeled off the court and he wanted to make sure that no look I've got a torn Achilles I'm still walking off because that's not me uh, that was that was amazing and when you say that whole season. Uh, there was a, a, a stretch of like nine games or so where Kobe was in. I want to say he was in double-digit assists. Uh, Mike D'Antoni was using him as a point forward. He was he was essentially the team's point guard. And it was during that stretch that I went, man, he is a better passer than people understand. And in fact, I go so far as to say that somewhere out there, there's an alternate reality where Kobe Bryant growing up patterns his game after Magic Johnson and not Michael Jordan. And I think that Kobe Bryant is just as successful as the one that we have here that patterned his game after Jordan. I think Kobe was that good of a passer, that smart of a player, where even if he was a pass-first type player, he would still be absolutely deadly. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, he gets a bad rap, Kobe, for, you know, for not being an assist guy. But purely because, like, you remember, once Shaq left, up until sort of 2007-2008, once Bynum started coming in, once Gasol was traded for, once we had Odom and these guys, it's easier to pass them to the better players for them to score. Mm-hmm. When you're playing with the likes of Smush Parker and Chris Mim and Kwame Brown, no disrespect to those guys, by the way, you know, they're all NBA players, they're all very talented, but, you know, they're not on that level. Right. You know, so I feel like, this was a beautiful. I really enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much, Trevor, for this. I've, this was an amazing therapeutic session for me, if nothing else. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. And yeah, this, this was fun getting to, to talk about all these great Kobe moments. Um, certainly needed. I'm so glad we got to do this. Just before we do go, though, can you just please tell people where to find you, where to find your excellent work, which I cannot recommend highly enough? You know, the floor is yours. Uh, sure. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore lane on Instagram at Trevor lane NBA. And you can find, find all my work uh, at Lakers nation. I've been running a lot of stuff on the Lakers nation, YouTube channel, breaking down um, trade news, all that kind of stuff recently. And, uh, and then you can find my written work just at, uh, at Lakers And of course you can also subscribe to the Lakers nation podcast. 
um, which there's a video version you can find on YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook. And you also listen to the audio version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever wherever you listen to podcasts. And I, I make sure that you subscribe to Trevor's podcast because I, I listen to every single one. I'm a fan, sir. You, you guys do a fantastic job over there at Lakers Nation. Thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, oh yeah. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be kind to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to it. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Have a good night.